So I, I did a very deep dive and that's where I started hearing about intermittent fasting and I totally wrote it off at first and I thought there is no way. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 39. In this episode, I speak with Shanna Hessen, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She has worked in the field of nutrition for over 20 years. Using unconventional nutritional therapies of intermittent fasting, balancing food intake, and eliminating foods that drive obesity, her clients are able to attain lasting results. Her book, Fast to Heal, details the science and power behind intermittent fasting and outlines a five-step approach to implement her teachings. She is here today to talk about a way to eat that not only will simplify your life and save you time, but also has the potential to radically improve your health and overall well-being. Shanna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am very honored to be here. Today, we are going to dive into intermittent fasting. And if the word fasting kind of freaks you out a little bit and you're thinking, wait a second, Heather, you're all about increasing joy and food is something I just love. I'm going to encourage you to stick with me because when I discovered intermittent fasting, not only did it have benefits to my mental and my physical health, it also simplified my life. And we know everyone out there listening is looking for ways to simplify their life. So where I'd love to start is let's just define what is intermittent fasting. Right. And I, I love that introduction, Heather, because I think people have so much fear around it and they think, oh, I'm going to have to skip all these meals and I'm going to have to go days without eating to get any benefit. And nothing could be further from the truth. Fasting is so flexible and you can fit it into just about any lifestyle. But the most basic definition would be not eating. But there's so much more to it. You know, being a registered dietitian, when I first started hearing about intermittent fasting, I was like a lot of other people in the medical fields. I would roll my eyes and think, how in the world can this be healthy? We've been telling people for years and decades not to skip meals that you should eat within the first hour or two of getting up. And for various reasons, and you have to eat every couple of hours to keep your metabolism going, which again is a complete farce. But I like to keep intermittent fasting more basic for people, especially if they've never really read much about it or know much about it. I like to tell my clients who are new to it that you can think of it as time-restricted eating. Sometimes people can wrap their head around that a little bit easier than oh, like, you know, do I have to fast for two days or how many hours and how much counting do I need to do? If you can just think of it as a window of time where you're not eating and then a window of time when you are eating, I think that simplifies it a little bit. And there's so many different approaches and methods that 
time-restricted eating is more of the the current kind of up-and-coming way to label intermittent fasting. That's what I tell my clients just starting out. Okay, we're just going to give you a time most days where that's your eating time and a time during the days when it's your fasting time. And you could just see the the stress kind of go away when you define it that way. And then we just kind of go from there. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. When I first was introduced to intermittent fasting by my dear friend, Greg Bradley, I thought, come on, you know, I love to eat. I'm a snacker and this does not sound like fun to me. And I'm at the stage of my life where I only want to do things that are fun. And he's like, Heather, (laughs) check out the research because once you understand this, you're going to want to try it. And I love the phrase time-restricted eating in that what I said to my kids, okay, there's going to be a time where the kitchen is open and a time when the kitchen is closed for mom, right? My kids are bakers. Mom, we're baking a cake. Do you want to try it? And I'd say, well, kitchen is closed for mom. So let's talk about that window. For me, the kitchen opens at 10 a.m. and it closes at 6 p.m. So how do you help clients decide what that window is? Right. I I go back to the basic of of hormones, and that's where most of my teachings center around, specifically the hormone insulin, because that is, as you know, the gatekeeper of all the energy going into our cells and a very, very high percentage of Americans and other you know, industrialized societies as well are very insulin resistant. So we have to take a look at, well, why, why is that? What are we doing in the last 50 to 60 years that we have become insulin resistant? So if we look at insulin, if we're eating all the time, insulin is released every time you eat. So if you're eating from the moment you get up until the moment you go to bed, your insulin is running high all the time. And the counter hormone to that is glucagon. And if insulin's high all the time, glucagon is never high. They can't both be high at once. So glucagon is what allows us to burn fat. So if we're eating all the time and we get up and we eat within an hour of rising and then we're eating until nine or 10 at night, we really don't have a lot of time in there for our insulin to come down and our glucagon to rise. I'm a runner and I'm an early morning person. So I almost always run in the morning and I would get up and I would start eating at like five o'clock in the morning a lot of days because I thought, well, I have to have energy before my run. (laughs) Even though we have all those counter regulatory hormones that are spiking in the early mornings to give us energy. I thought, Hey, I have to at least eat a banana or a piece of string cheese or whatever it is. So I was breaking my fast super early in the morning. I'm not a huge night eater, but there wasn't a lot of time in there where, where my insulin levels were coming down. So when we look at the window, like you said, your windows from 10 to six. So you have an eight hour eating window. So we would call that like a 16-8 where you're fasting 16 hours of the day and you're eating eight hours of the day. And that works well for people who are looking more for a weight maintenance plan. You know, you're not looking for a lot of weight to lose or you don't have a lot of metabolic illnesses. So when I work with clients, the first thing I do is I send them their health intake form and I have them give me their goals and then all of their past medical history. So based on that, then I can set up 
an intermittent fasting plan for them. So say I have somebody who has been diabetic for 10 years and they're not to the insulin stage yet, but they're on medications for their diabetes and they also are battling chronic obesity. I'm going to give them a much different approach to intermittent fasting than I would give somebody like you who is just looking at for more like a stress and a simplicity factor. But if I was working with somebody who was very metabolically unwell, I would give them a shorter window because they need to heal that insulin resistance and give their body more time to keep their insulin low and get rid of extra carbohydrate stores. And then they can tap into their fat burning. So the window really just is dependent on the person, their history, what their goals are. But I can give you some of the more common ones like yours would be like a 16-8. A lot of women start with something like that. Myself, I usually fast 18 to 20 hours most days. I throw one 24-hour fast and I know people are probably like, whoa, (laughs) that's a lot. (laughs) But the 24-hour fast kind of acts as a reset for your gut. And some really magical things can happen at the 24-hour mark and beyond. But most at days, it's 18 to 20 hours. And then I do have what I call one feast day most weeks where I'm eating earlier in the day. I'm eating a little more often that day. I'm allowing myself to eat three square meals instead of two because you always want to change up your routine. You know, you don't want your body to think it's not getting enough nourishment. So if you throw those feast and fasting cycles in there, your body's always kept guessing But, you know, going back to the simplicity factor too, when I started intermittent fasting and I didn't have to think about breakfast, (laughs) I mean, it really, you really save a lot of time during the day. It's in those morning hours. And we have three kids, like they know I'm not a morning eating person anymore. Sometimes I do longer fasts. I'm not eating at dinner and they get it. I'm in my fasting time right now. And I always sit down with them because a lot of people ask me, well, how do you manage this with the family? And I still sit down and I enjoy dinner and maybe have my water or tea or whatever it is. And they, they totally get it. And what's really interesting is I've changed my approach with my kids too. I have two teenagers and then my youngest is 12. But I used to push breakfast on them so heavily. Get up. You have to eat before school. You have to eat before school. And they weren't hungry. They're barely awake. So I have really changed my approach with them, especially in the summer months. But my youngest, especially, he's never really hungry until at least 10 in the morning. And it was interesting for me to take a step back and watch him be really intuitive with his eating. And, you know, about 10 o'clock, he would come and he'd be hungry And then he would be fine until like late afternoon. And I'm like, okay, the old me would have been, no, you're eating right now. It's noon. You eat right now. And then we eat at five. You know, you're watching the clock where now you can be more intuitive and eat when you're actually hungry. And he would most days, a lot of times just eat two bigger meals and be fine with that. So it is interesting how the whole family dynamic has changed and my whole way of teaching my clients has definitely changed since I've been teaching intermittent fasting. 
You know, I wanted to comment on a few things you said. One is my kids are teenagers as well. And I remember how stressed out I used to be when they were younger. And I would say, I can't send you to school without eating. (laughs) And I would say that you have to have energy. And it was so programmed into me. And Mm -hmm. once I discovered intermittent fasting, I was like, wow, my kids were actually being really intuitive because they're not hungry until 10 either. Right. You know, and as I started doing this and watching and just being more aware I realize there's so much freedom and you use that phrase on your website. There's so much freedom in fasting when you can tap into what's going on with your body. And I think the point that you brought up here is that it can be very individualized. I've got this kind of common fasting window where a lot of people start, but really I want to encourage people don't take this lightly. This is something that is absolutely going to change your body and change your life. So get some professional advice here before you jump on the fasting bandwagon, because you would want to make sure that you're making the best choices for you. You brought up that knowing when you're eating simplified life. And I don't know if this is unique or not, but for me, it's simplified life because what I found, not only were there fewer meals that I was trying to figure out when I was going to eat and what I was going to eat. But for me, I kind of didn't worry so much about what I was putting in my body. Now, granted, I eat fairly clean. I'm not obsessive about it, but I was watching things like how many nuts or how much butter or how many avocados and things like that, that I was eating. And what I realized was when I had just a window, I didn't really think I knew everything in my house was relatively healthy. I ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I actually lost some weight. Is my experience unique? Somewhat, (laughs) but you simplify and you go down to like, I eat two meals a day, most days, sometimes I eat one big meal and I'm just not hungry in the evening anymore. Because what happens when you start intermittent fasting is you transition from burning primarily sugar and glucose to being able to tap into your fat stores a lot more easily or very easily. And that takes some time. It takes a couple of weeks to a couple of months. But when you're able to do that, you just don't need to eat as often. I was that person who would run errands and I'm like, oh, I got to take a granola bar or some fruit or some cheese or whatever to have in my car because I'm going to be gone for three or four hours. And now I just hop in the car. There's so much freedom and flexibility. I might get hungry here or there, but hungry passes. It's not an emergency. (laughs) And we as an American, we're so afraid of being hungry. It's like, if you could just let it pass for 10 or 15 minutes, you realize once you start to be a fat burner and you're not burning sugar all the time, your body gets rid of carbohydrate cravings. It's because, oh, wow, I have 50,000 plus calories of fat here to burn. I can go weeks without eating again. And it's just this amazing transition that happens. And it's it's physical, it's mental. I think there's even a spiritual component to it. And it's just so liberating because I went decades of being chained to like you, like, okay, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to eat? What am I about my snacks? All I thought about all day was food. Yes. It was the freedom of, I can skip meals and I am totally fine. It's not like I'm starving myself because I know what I'm going to eat again. I know that I'm going to nourish myself and there's always going to be food there for me. But that transition is is just so amazing. You have an acronym. Yes. Peace. And when I discovered that, I thought, 
what more reason to have you on the show? Because all doctoral students are definitely looking for more peace. So are you willing to share your acronym? Yeah, peace is an acronym for my five-step program. And the P stands for prepare your body. So this is where if you're new to intermittent fasting, in my book, I walk you through how to prepare to fast well. Because if you're a clean eater and you eat mostly whole foods that aren't in packages, you're going to have an easier time transitioning into fasting. If you eat a higher natural fat diet and you don't eat a lot of processed carbohydrate, you're going to have an easier time transitioning in as well because you're already using fat as a fuel source more often than carbohydrates. But the P stands for prepare your body. In my book, I give this two weeks, but some people stay here longer. Some people are shorter, but we talk a lot about finding foods that satiate you versus drive obesity and make Mm. you hungrier. So those are like higher natural fats, higher protein, and then foods with natural intact fibers like fruits or vegetables and getting away from the packaged foods, getting away from the chemicals and the endocrine disruptors and obesogens, which are chemicals and foods that have been found to increase your prevalence for obesity, getting those out for two weeks before you even think about your fast. And then in that time, I also encourage people to Like you, close your window after dinner and be like, nope, we don't need to eat at night anymore. So stopping eating after dinner, not snacking. So that's that's a huge thing. So if you're snacking all day, yeah. So if you're snacking all day, you're releasing insulin all day. So in those first two weeks, we get out the you know, packaged foods and the foods that drive obesity, but we also say, okay, we're not gonna eat after dinner. We are not going to snack. We're going to eat three square meals if we're able to and stop with that. That's the first couple of weeks. And you know what? I think if nothing else, if you're listening, you're like, this sounds like a great idea, but I'm not so sure. I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself, what would happen if I just stopped eating after dinner? Because what I found was I had a habit. And I would sit down to write in the evening. And after I started intermittent fasting, I realized I wasn't even hungry. And something happened happened to my brain when I stopped snacking at night. I actually had better mental acuity. Mm-hmm, for sure. I know. And for me, I think I just kind of got in the eat ice cream after dinner when I was pregnant mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, who doesn't love to do that? For me, it was either ice cream or popsicles or popcorn at night. And that was kind of my oh, you ate so well during the day, you can eat ice cream at night kind of thing. And every time I ate ice cream at night, I'd feel yucky. Like I would not feel well. And I'd go to bed thinking, why did I eat that? And now I know it's like your body doesn't want to be digesting food when you're sleeping. It wants to reset hormones and rest and not have to digest. So, so yeah, so that's the first part And before we get to the second letter here, I just want to pause because that is a profound statement. Guys, you're already fasting anyway when you're asleep, right? But let your body have that time to restore and regenerate. So many doctoral students are burning the candle at both ends. They're exhausted. They're fatigued. Give your body a chance. One of the things that was so surprising to me was that eating 
is very strenuous on the body. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the right word. It, it takes a lot of energy yes. to digest food. Yes. So do your body this little favor, stop eating after dinner, allow your sleep to actually be regenerative. Right. Yeah. And the brain uses the most energy and digestion is number two. So if you're taking away having to digest food all the time, you know, you're just giving your brain, (laughs) you're giving your whole body a break, like you said. And there's this misconception that we need to burn glucose for energy. Like our brains have to burn glucose. Mm -hmm. That's so untrue. And if we go back to nutrition 101 and primitive humans, they went days without eating. They didn't have to have carbohydrates. There's these magical, beautiful substances called ketones that are produced when we're fat burning that are an amazing source of energy and fuel for our brains. So we can't forget about that. We can't think we have to have sugar and processed food Mm -hmm. to have energy for our brain. And that's one of the biggest non-scale victories that my clients see is just more energy and less brain fog. If you haven't already looked in the show notes and been on Shanna's website, as we've been talking more energy and less brain fog, what more, what more right. could you want? <laughs> right. But, and, and the thing is too, and we'll talk about this more as we go through the acronym, like you, you don't want to forget to eat, you know, feasting is just as important as the fast. But when you feast, then it's purposeful and you want healthy, Mm -hmm. nourishing foods that fill you up. And then you eat until fullness. And then you go a long period of time without eating again. When I eat full meals, I am not hungry for at least four to five hours if I'm eating foods that provide me fullness and nourishment. When you're and not you know, eating well, then it's hard. But. but it's so, I gotta say, intermittent fasting also changed my relationship with food because yes. I was a huge snacker, believing that small, tiny little meals all throughout the day was serving me and it wasn't at all. And so again, I'm just encouraging people, if this is resonating with you, do your homework, do your research, get medical approval, but check it out. It really is that transformative. Yeah. And all you need to do is read my book, honestly, because it it has a science behind it, but then it's got an approach for patients and for practitioners to say, hey, this is super easy. These are the steps to implement. And it, it just lays it all out because I was too, I was super skeptical of thinking it was another fad diet. And my practice has completely changed in the last year and a half. So for almost 20 years, I was super frustrated with my clients not seeing a lot of results, not coming off medications, not losing weight, or they'd lose weight and then they'd wait cycle and gain it all back. I'd see them in the community and I was, oh no, (laughs) what happened? And it was just the, the approaches that I used to teach were not sustainable. Now, almost everybody sees progress. Mm -hmm. And it might not be as quick as they want at times, but I have yet to work with a client that has not seen some progress in some capacity. So it's so amazing. 
we will have not only the link to your book, but you also have a podcast, which is awesome because people can hop on and listen to other people talking about this and how it's changed their life. If you want to, you know, dig deeper into fasting, we're kind of scratching the surface yeah. <laughs> here and saying there's something here for you to check out in terms of simplifying your life. And you know, one of the goals of this podcast is how you can make sure that you graduate healthy. And I do believe this is one mechanism for that. I'm going to have all these links down below. So we've done P for prepare your body. Yes. Yeah. So E stands for extend fast. So now we've done the work of what we need to do to approach the fast healthfully so that when you do start extending the time that you're not eating, it's a lot easier to transition into the fat burning. And I've actually, this is kind of crazy, but in my challenges that I run every quarter, I've started to implement a fat fast for a couple of days, which again, I would have never thought about recommending to clients a couple of years ago, but what it does is it gives you natural high fat foods that helps you transition into burning fat because you're not taking in the carbohydrates. So that is a really, really useful tool that I have people try if they're having trouble transitioning into longer fasting hours because it just it forces your body to burn fat so then when you do fast it's easier so the extend fast that's again you're just slowly extending your fast and again some people are like oh i'm going to try a 24 hour fast this week and some are a little bit like oh i'm just going to go from 16 to 17 hours this week and both approaches are completely fine and you can certainly overdo fasting that's why i talk about making sure when you're feasting, you're eating good foods. That's the difference between caloric restriction and intermittent fasting is when you eat well in your window, your body's nourished and it doesn't think it's starving. So it doesn't lower its metabolic rate like it would with calorie deprivation. So that's the real magic. And that's the big difference physiologically. And again, if people work with me, I give them a four-week protocol in which they can start extending their fasts and throw some different things in there. And then the A stands for alter nutrition. And that's where we look at what kind of progress they're making. Because now they're a good month in. And we look at, okay, do you still need to alter your nutrition and your eating within your eating window? Because a lot of times people have poor habits that they don't want to let go of. Or we'll talk about clean fasting in just a second here. But they're still eating too many carbohydrates for their metabolism or they're eating inflammatory fats and not natural fats. And the inflammatory fats would be more of your seed oils, canola and corn, safflower, soybean, sunflower, which is what I used to recommend to everybody. And now we know that they're very inflammatory and those are mainly found in processed foods. So we just take a step back and we say, okay, is there anything we need to alter if you're not seeing the progress? And some people are great and they can transition right through this. Some people are need to say, oh, you know, I'm I still am eating too many packaged foods or I haven't increased my fat or protein and I'm still really hungry. So that's that step. And then the C stands for clean challenge and change. So that's where we talk about, are you clean fasting? We throw in some challenge days so that we change it up. 
So the challenge and change kind of go together. So clean fasting is really important if you've never heard that concept. And I want to say right away, which I, I, I didn't say before, I don't endorse dry fasting. I endorse staying hydrated during the fast. So there's really no benefit to dry fasting and taking any kind of fluid out. So clean fasting, I, I recommend water, black coffee, black or green teas, or plain carbonated water. And this is where some people get hung up with intermittent fasting. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to take the stevia or creamer out of my coffee, or I don't want to give up my Diet Coke or whatever it is. And believe me, I was a Diet Coke junkie for 20 years, and I get that that's hard to give up. But what happens if you're taking in any kind of artificial sweetener, or even some people like to bulletproof their coffee and add either butter or MCT oil or coconut oil, which can be utilized as a transition, but it still is almost always going to break that fast if there's too much fat even. But the artificial sweeteners, even though your body isn't absorbing them as calories, it's still a lot of times we'll recognize them as some sort of sugar or glucose source coming in and and your senses in your mouth say, hey, there's something sweet coming. We better release some insulin to get that energy into the cell. So sometimes people start intermittent fasting, but they're having some kind of chemical or too much fat, like such as bulletproof coffee in their fasting time and they're not seeing the progress that they want and they get frustrated and they give up. So yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. So we're not saying give up your bulletproof coffee. We're just saying count it as a food. Right. Or move it to where you break your fast. Or, you know, what I say is people are really having trouble transitioning to black coffee. Mm -hmm. Use your bulletproof coffee for a few weeks as kind of a bridge. And then it's best to take that out and leave it for later. And it's hard for a lot of people, but you'll know when you're clean fasting because you don't get as much hunger. You don't get the cravings because you're not releasing insulin. So if you're releasing insulin during your fast, it's really tough. To, to keep fasting because your body is going to be hungry and it's going to have cravings. As you talk, every single thing you say makes perfect sense. And that's mm-hmm. what that's where I got hooked. Because when Greg said, Heather, you need to check this out, I thought, oh no. Every time my friend Greg recommends anything to me, I know he's done his research and I know this is going to make sense and am I ready for this? But what what I want to encourage everyone to do is you're listening to Shanna talk. Everything's making sense. You're looking for ways to simplify your life and feel better. Think about being your own experiment. I'm always Mm -hmm. going to say on this show, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what my guests say. Try the things that are resonating with you and you get your experience and figure out if this is something you want to adopt as a new lifestyle, because I promise you, this is a game changer. I love that. And that's why I started fasting too. I didn't tell you about my backstory, but my son was very ill for several years and I just did a really deep dive into holistic and natural medicine. 
And because the conventional approaches weren't working and I wanted to get him off of medications. So I I did a very deep dive and that's where I started hearing about intermittent fasting. And I totally wrote it off at first and I thought there is no way. And then where the switch flipped for me was when I read The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And he's a nephrologist and he was just mortified by the diabetic ulcers and the feet that he had to remove and the fingers that people were losing. And he's like, there's got to be a better approach to treating diabetes. It's only been around chronically for 50 or 60 years. And so he started looking into fasting and I would highly recommend his book. It's just an amazing, amazing work. But transitioning into that E part, E stands for ease your mind. And that's where I focus on sleep and stress and it being an integral part of not only fasting, but just overall health. And, you know, I have the liberty of going to bed at the same time every night. (laughs) I know a lot of your listeners probably don't have that. They have different schedules, but sleep and stress, if you're stressed out and you don't sleep well, it's going to make fasting a lot more difficult because both stress and sleep deprivation increase your cortisol and they increase it by a lot, like pretty substantially. So even one bad night's sleep, like less than five hours, I think it increases your cortisol by 50% for the entire next day. And so cortisol is going to tell your body to release more energy into the bloodstream. So then you have extra glucose and you need more insulin. So it's just this chronic catch 22 cycle where you're having increased cortisol, which makes you need more energy, which makes you need more insulin. So even though you're not eating, you could still have more insulin and energy in your bloodstream just because of the the stress and sleep deprivation. So this part of my book, there's no time frame for it, but I talk about it at the end and say, you know what, if you're still not achieving the goals that you want, what's going on with your stress and your sleep? Are you sleeping enough? Are you super stressed out that you need to make some sort of change? Is it feasible? What What are your top stressors and how can you deal with those? So yeah, so that's, that's the last part of the book. And I've had clients who are saying, I'm following the same exact approach as I always was, but I've gained five pounds back and I can't figure out why. And I look back and I say, well, it's December. Are you stressed out because of the holidays and, you know, everything that's going on? Or or did you have a job change? Are you having marital stress? Are you maxed out? And what can we do? It's going to be more difficult to achieve your goals if you're sleep deprived and stressed out. So that's the acronym. Peace. Let's go through the acronym (laughs) one more time to wrap it up. Perfect. So P is prepare your body. E is extend fasts. A is alter nutrition if needed. C is for clean challenge and change. And E is for easier mind, which is looking at sleep and stress. I love that you've got this holistic approach. Not only do you have your book and your podcast, you've got a free email course, you have challenges on your website, you have a way for people to work with you. So if you're listening to this and you know you want to learn more, 
We've got you covered. It's all in the show notes. And I love that your last letter there and the acronym is Ease Your Mind because that's absolutely something we focus on here in this podcast. There's shows about meditation, breath work, self-care. You've been thinking there's gotta be a better way to manage this. There's gotta be a way to simplify nutrition. Shanna is your woman. So thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing the science behind fasting and all the magic it can create in our life. Thank you so much for having me. If you love listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, would you mind supporting me? The best way you can do this is by sharing your favorite episodes with a friend or two, or heck, maybe three. All episodes are available on most podcast directories, my YouTube channel, and my website. To make it easy, I'll pop these links in the show notes below. And if you really love this free content, then visit my website, expandyourhappy.com, where you can purchase some Happy Doc student swag or even buy me a green tea. Until next time, here's to more joy in your journey. Oh, hey, one more thing. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 